Today's episode is sponsored by Adam and Eve. You know, I read so many stories about cheating partners and unhappy marriages. Maybe people wouldn't be in such unhappy relationships if they spent more time nurturing their love life. That's why you should check out today's sponsor, Adam and Eve. They've got toys for men, toys for women, and toys for... How should I put this? Well, it's not exactly r slash am I the butthole. More like r slash I'm in the butthole. And yeah, I realize that ordering adult toys can be a little scary because you may be concerned about privacy. Don't worry, Adam and Eve offers discreet and free shipping for your package. Trust me, these people are experts in your package. You can get 50% off on just about any item, along with free shipping and rush processing. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy or anything you desire. Then enter code R slash at checkout. That's R slash R S L A S H at adamandeve.com. This is an exclusive offer specific to this podcast, so be sure to use code R slash to get your discount, plus 100% free shipping, and get it fast with rush processing. Use code R slash. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being a guy has a lot of upsides. Like, we get to pee standing up, and we get all these giant muscles. But there's also some downsides to being a guy, like going bald early and the fact that it's hard to find spaces to talk about our issues. Most guys don't really talk about what's bothering them. They just talk about their hobbies, like video games or sports. I know my friend group is guilty of that. All we ever talk about is gaming, basically. That's why I'm an advocate of BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can find a therapist suited to your needs and your schedule to talk about whatever is bothering you in life. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash r slash today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash r slash. Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where a rude lawyer learns an important lesson about being polite. Our next Reddit post is from Comply Maliciously. About two and a half years ago, my apartment was broken into during a camping trip. Some things were stolen, including multiple firearms. A year and a half ago, one of my firearms was found with some kids selling crack in a small city right over the border of the next state. The plea deal fell through, and the girl that the cops arrested was going to trial. I received a letter in the mail telling me of the court date and the location, but it is explicitly not a summons. Whatever, I want my gun back sooner rather than later, so I go. Both the prosecutor and the assistant prosecutor are out sick, one with COVID. They make us hang around for a while for no reason, and eventually I just leave. They didn't like that, but whatever. There wasn't anything they could do about it since I was there legally and voluntarily. I just tell them they can mail me the new date and I'll deal with it then. Three weeks go by, and here we are present day. I get home from work and check my email. I have two emails from the court. One about the first girl who got arrested, and another for a guy that I know is just an accomplice from the updates about the other girl. His trial is today, and hers is tomorrow. I go to the courthouse 40 minutes away and let them know I'm here. Everything's fine. They bring in the jury pool and spend two hours getting it down to seven jurors. The trial starts, and we're just patiently waiting. Me, four cops, and one other civilian witness. They tell us, no worries, this'll be super quick. They basically just need to ask if it's the firearm that I reported stolen and I'll be on my way. They call in the cops first, who, by the way, are getting paid this whole time. 
It's now 1 p.m. I've been up for 24 hours on three hours of sleep from the day before after working a 12-hour overnight shift. My entire body is cramping. I'm super uncomfortable. I'm exhausted. I last ate at 10 p.m. The assistant district attorney comes out and tells us they're taking an hour lunch break. I tell her that I can't stay and I need to leave. She tells me that I'm not allowed to leave, that I already presented as a witness to the judge, that I'd been summoned, even though I hadn't been summoned, that they could charge me with this or that, and one of the cops tells me they could detain me, and the judge could order me. Again, I pointed out to them that I hadn't been summoned, that I was here voluntarily. Basically, they tried to strong-arm me when all I wanted to do was go home. I point out that the guy they have on trial isn't even the guy who I was told was found with my gun. The assistant DA starts explaining that, oh no, he totally was. I don't know who you heard that from. And she gave me all the details about the case. Then she reemphasized that I really must say or I'd be charged with a crime. She says, don't worry though, we'll get you in right away so you can leave soon. The judge issued a sequestered order first thing in the morning before jury selection. I say fine and wait. Here comes the single greatest act of malicious compliance I have ever committed in my life. All the attorneys come in and all the jury comes in. The judge makes me swear to tell the truth. I swear. The second I finish, I blurt out that the prosecutor broke the sequester and was telling me about the case during the break. The, ju the judge immediately stops the trial and orders everyone except the lawyers out, including me. Eventually, they bring just me back inside. The judge, again, makes me swear to tell the truth, confirms I understand what's happening, tells me the importance of a fair trial, maybe don't witness tamper then, and explains that witnesses are never to volunteer information and are to only answer the questions. He says that I've been summoned and it's a legal obligation. I let him finish and mention that I've never been summoned. He says, then I'm ordering you to. Understood? Sure. Everyone comes back in and we all take our oaths again. The prosecutor who was questioning me starts answering questions. Here's the thing, I swore to tell the truth, but I never agreed to tell it in a way that makes her life easier. She asked me some basic questions, name, age, what I do for work, etc. Then she gets to the actual questions. Do I own weapons? Did I report any stolen around this date? Did I own one of this model? Did I report this model stolen, etc. She asks, is this your gun? It certainly looks like it. Did such and such police contact you when it was recovered? No. Who did? The other police department, my local police department. Did they give you any details regarding how it was recovered? They said that it was allegedly used in a crime by such and such, and I gave the girl's name. The defense objects, and the judge strikes that from testimony. By now, the district attorney is realizing that she's giving me way too much leeway and starts asking for yes or no answers. Eventually, she asks me if I would recognize the serial number if I saw it. I tell her no, and that roughly sums up my questions from her. Then, it's the defendant's turn, and it goes exactly how you would expect it to by now. I answer truthfully, but in favorable wording. You said this looks like your gun, but you can't confirm it's your gun? I'd need to compare the serial number against the police report or the gun shop which still has it on record. Do you know who stole your firearm? No. Do you recognize this person? No. The lawyer asked a few more plausible deniability questions and then I was free to go. I can't wait to be back tomorrow for the girls' trial. I'll probably be much less malicious, but I know the district attorney will be nervous when she sees me. Our next Reddit post is from Oxymoron High. I attended high school in a very polluted city. 
Our campus had two of the most saturated streets in my city. For gym class, there was a mandatory race that consisted of swimming 40 semi-Olympic swimming pools and then running five laps around the school. We were supposed to finish the swimming and then just put shoes on and a shirt and start running. No time to get dry clothes. Also, our city is 8,000 feet above sea level, so it's fairly cold. I explained to the teacher that it would not be a good idea for me to do this race because I have asthma. And between the cold, the damp clothes, and the pollution, I should do at most one half of the race. She said, If you don't do this, you'll fail my class. That's school policy. I said, Okay. I then did everything as expected, and I lost my breath in the middle of the third lap. Long story short, I was in the hospital for two weeks recovering. My family sued the teacher and the school. She then lost her job. OP should have warned her. Okay, yeah, I get that at school policy, but just so you know, it's my family's policy to sue any teacher who forces me to have an asthma attack. So, are you sure you want to enforce that policy? Down in the comments, we have this story from Sky Smurf. This happened to my sister. She's been a severe asthmatic since she was three years old. In eighth grade, the gym teacher thought that it would be a great idea to have class outside. Except, it should be noted that it was the end of May here in Alberta, and it was the beginning of wildfire season, and there was an air quality advisory in effect. Well, needless to say, after about 15 minutes outside, not one, but four ambulances had to be called. Because there was a total of seven asthmatics in class, and all of them had an attack. Man, I, lo <laughs> I love stories about malicious compliance from kids. Because when an adult does malicious compliance, it's like, Okay, boss, I'll do what you say, and it'll cost the company $1,000, and you're going to get in trouble. But when a kid does malicious compliance, they're like, Okay, guess I'll just die. Boy, won't they feel stupid once I die, once I'm dead. Like, damn, calm down, kids. Our next Reddit post is from Mango Physical. I used to live in an apartment building that had shops on the main level. The building next door was the same. The two buildings shared a wall. My building had assigned parking and yellow paper notes to put in our car windows. Our restaurant opened up in the building next door. Their owner, manager, and staff began parking in my spot, as well as our neighbor's spots. I spoke to our building's owner, and she said that she would talk to the restaurant people again, but she didn't think that it would help, because they were even parking in her spots. Every night, I would get home, call the restaurant, and ask them to move their vehicle. I was getting tired of this, when one night, they put the manager on because they were busy and didn't have time to deal with my request. He did do it, but told me they wouldn't do it again, and I was to stop calling them. I suggested they stop parking in my assigned spots. He told me they had too many staff to control where they parked, and he was sure they weren't parking in my spot, and it was probably a customer. You know, because customers always park behind a business and then walk around to the front to get in. The next time I worked, I got home, and this time, there was a Range Rover parked in my spot. I dutifully called the tow truck, not the restaurant. The tow company towed the car. I went inside and went to bed. A few hours later, I was awakened by a phone call from the towing company. I had towed the owner of the restaurant, and he was telling them that it was his parking spot, and I had no right to tow him. They said they were going to bill me for the tow. I told the caller about my landlord's parking permits, the numerous phone calls to have them move, about being told not to bother them anymore, and that this restaurant was in the next building with a separate parking lot. The tow truck company said goodbye, and I never heard anything more about it. I also was able to park in my spot after. I told my neighbor about it, and he told me, just to be safe, I should tell the owner of the other building. 
I popped into her shop and told her. She replied with something to the effect of, You towed the Range Rover! I said yes. She started to laugh and basically said good for you and told me it was the restaurant owner's truck. Still makes me smile when I think about it. Man, isn't it crazy how when there's a problem, there's just nothing they can do about it. But the second it costs them money, immediately the problem gets solved. Our next Reddit post is from Shelly Fish. I work in a small startup company of around 12 people. It's a very good atmosphere in the office, and everyone pulls their weight and is super motivated. However, our boss likes to micromanage us, even though he has no expertise in any of our fields. Especially, we in marketing and design suffer a lot from that, since he'll make changes to our strategies, posts, and website. Sometimes, without even telling us, and then get upset at us when the customer feedback is bad and we aren't reaching our predicted goals. So, recently, he told us the reason he thinks that we aren't seeing enough results is because we're manipulating our hours and not actually putting in the work that we should. Up until then, we each wrote down our hours manually in an Excel sheet, but with a new time tracking tool, he would see how long we were working down to the minute. He also said that we were only allowed to log in to work to our desk PCs and not our mobile devices because if you're not at your desk, it's not work. After our initial shock passed away and our boss left for the day, our manager called for a meeting and we came up with a plan. We would do as our boss said in the most just following the rules way possible. One, <laughs> we would not engage in work-related conversations with our boss unless we're sitting at our desks and clocked in. Two, any questions our boss asks us after we're clocked out will only be answered once we clock in again the following day. Three, every phone call, text message, or otherwise work-related things outside the office would only be answered once there was an option for us to clock in, either next day or in office, or for some of us to find a home office device. Four, since we no longer had the option to shift our time manually, all work minutes and hours would be clocked in exactly when they took place. As a side note, in my country, weekends offer better pay rates, and Sundays have to be double pay. Also, working after 8pm also includes a pay bump. Previously, if we needed to post something really quick or answer a question, we would just add the weekend hours or late time to the upcoming Monday, basically out of goodwill, but no more of that. 5. We would stop any independent activity and would send him everything to approve before following through. After about a week, our boss was so fed up with this that he gave us the option to clock in from our mobile devices so that he could get more immediate responses to his questions. However, this of course led to us clocking in way more frequently since, like I said, he likes to micromanage and therefore asks a lot of questions. I'm happy to report that as of 2024, we've abolished the system again and regained most of our independence. And even though our boss is still pissed about how we exploited the system, it brought the team closer together and we really taught him a lesson. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.